everybody, and welcome to another episode of the... Wait, this is not my podcast. What is this? I don't know. What's going on? This is something totally different. This is a a bite-sized breakdown for the Backlog Breakdown podcast. Oh my goodness, I don't know how to keep my podcast straight anymore. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so confused. But anyway, uh, well, I guess I'm talking about video games today and not, you know, spandex heroes and fighting giant rubber monsters. No, 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 no. But this is something that's kind of similar to that. It is within my wheelhouse, so to speak, in the Japanese culture. And that is the subject of import gaming. Now, that sounds a little scary to some people. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, import gaming. What am I going to do? How am I going to read these moon runes? Well, let me talk to you a little bit about that. I'm going to go a little bit into why in the world I do lots of, you know, import gaming and, you know, playing games from overseas, even though I can't really understand like 5% of what I'm reading, as well as just some ways that you could approach the topic as well. So import gaming, what is it? It's been around for many, many years, going back even as far as the NES area with Famicom games. You may have heard about that, the Famicom, the Super Famicom. And basically it just involves buying video games from other countries. That's, that's pretty much it. Or other cultures, I suppose. Really, as long as the game's going overseas, it's kind of an import-export situation. So there you go. That answers the question. I guess that's the end of the episode. (laughs) Haha, no, no. Import gaming is very special to me. I need to go into it a little bit more. So import gaming, it has been a big hobby of mine for many, many, many years at this point. Wow, I'm old. I first started importing on my own when the Nintendo DS came out, and I learned that it's not only region-free, but a very, very easy way to play through games that I, I have no idea how to speak the language. I was able to, like actually get games that were not in my language and actually just play them on my own and there was no no problem with that so the first game i actually remember playing a bit in japanese was pokemon green which is kind of weird you you might be thinking pokemon green i've never heard of pokemon green i've heard of pokemon leaf green are you sure you're not meaning that no pokemon green i had a friend in fourth grade who i was basically always on pokemon talking terms with he and i were just poke maniacs and i'm actually still friends with this like this group of friends well a couple of them at least not not all of them i don't know where all of them are but fourth grade yeah my friend super huge into pokemon we were both real big nerds so he obviously like when i went over to his house one day and we played pokemon stadium because i didn't yet have it i don't think i had a nintendo 64 at this point either but i went over to play pokemon stadium and he showed me the box copy of pokemon green that he had gotten Somehow, I really don't know how he got it because this is like 1999, and I know like eBay is kind of a thing at this point because my dad's working on eBay, but like I don't know how he got this copy. It was like magic to me at this point. Like I looked at the box and everything looked the same and yet really different. It was super jarring. It was very eerie as well because I had you know obviously enjoyed red and blue at this point, and I think I even had yellow at this point. So you know, just seeing it in a different language though, it added this like mysterious mystique with it that's probably a little bit of a redundant thing to say but there was a mystique around it that it was just so weird (laughs) very uncanny honestly just seeing this box copy of a pokemon game that looked really familiar but also was really different and we played around with it a little bit and i'm just like whoa this is just this is just crazy like i mean i didn't even know about you know how consoles like blocked you from playing imports at this time so the fact that it loaded up on the game boy no problem like but that was no big deal to me at that point but it should have been so uh, yeah that, that that's my first experience there and i was pretty much hooked from then so before i started importing games though i do confess i have a confession to make i might not be roman catholic but i do have a confession i used emulators and roms to test out games from other countries just to see what they were like i know i know you can throw the stones right now i'm a terrible person 
I, I remember the first time I loaded up a Japanese ROM was when Pokemon Leaf Green came out in Japan first. And this is not when, you know, this is back in the time when Pokemon games didn't come out at the same time in the States and then in Japan. No, this is like months and months and months, if not years afterwards. So I, I remember going to this one website and they talk about Pokemon Leaf Green. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Pokemon Leaf Green? Leaf Green? What in the world is this? So I loaded up the ROM and it was like, shockingly simple to figure out how to do this apparently i just had to load up like an emulator and a rom and just plug it in and it just started magically playing i'm like whoa 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 you mean i can play game boy games on my computer this is nuts and that didn't stop me from buying you know game boy games obviously game boy advance games at this point but it was just something like whoa oh my goodness i'm actually playing this and because i you know knew pokemon blue red green yellow all that like frontwards backwards i probably played the game a million times like the introduction to pokemon leaf green was like the simplest thing in the world and i was able to i think at least get like halfway into the game before quitting and oh my goodness this is also my like first experience with like speed up functions and that was so good how he just speed up the game so quickly and level up that caterpie to a butterfree to learn confusion to destroy brock yes oh my goodness so much fun so much fun so i I, I played it, and it, it was really simple, and that really started the addiction from there. So Pokemon Green, Pokemon Leaf Green, that just destroyed my morals and ethics at that point. But it also just introduced me to this brand new world, and I was hooked. And most of my importing was done on the Nintendo DS, like I mentioned, because of how easy it was to play import games on it. Again, there was no console lockout at all. So I started out with uh, Pokemon Diamond, again, with the Pokemon theme. I imported a Japanese copy of Pokemon Diamond, Pocket Monsters Diamond, if you will. And I dropped in easily 70 hours into that game not knowing what in the world i was talking about or what in the world was going on really i'm pretty sure the cerebi website was there at that point and i was able to follow along generally with like the names of the pokemon and some of the move sets but no i had no idea what was going on and i captured so many legendaries i even exploited glitches in it it was so fun some other games that i did was uh that i imported at least uh taiko no tatsujin was this is my first experience with the taiko game and it was so so fun because you could actually use the bottom screen to like tap out the the beat and everything and again all in japanese but it even had some songs that i recognized like from uh, Kamen Rider and super sentai so i was like oh hey yeah this is easy to pick up and figure out so that was great um Os Tatakai Oindan and its sequel, which is the, the Japanese version of a game that you may have heard of, Elite Beat Agents. And the games are like about as different as you can get while still retaining the same gameplay. It's nuts how in Japan, like this Oindan, that, that basically means cheerleading squad. So they had the first game and the second game. Well, the first game came out, then Elite Beat Agents, then the second game in the series came out. And it's really a crime that we don't have any more of those. So Oindan was super, super fun. And just being able to tap out to the beat as well, like on the bottom screen, you know, it, it, there's a, like a rhythm game <laughs> uh, theme coming on here because I, I just loved rhythm games at this time and music and all that. So I played both of those and maxed them out basically as best I could. I feel like I just became like a sage when it came to like actually playing rhythm games at this point. This is like my best time in my life about that. And another interesting game called Ash with the subtitle Archaic Sealed Heat. And it is like a, a fusion between like tactical strategy games and traditional jrpgs it plays out very similarly to fire emblem but you're actually like playing out the battles in a turn-based fashion which was really fun i, I spent so many hours perusing the websites i, I believe i like play asia Lixang, even ebay trying, trying to find the best deals i could and i was i was hooked i even had a nodame contabile game which again was a rhythm game and it was based on the anime and it was playing all this classical music that i had heard before but you know not within the context and that was really complicated, but <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just reminiscing at this point. So 
when I moved to South Korea, though, some years later, I went absolutely crazy with buying games. there, And they weren't imports, I guess, at that point, because I was just buying them there. But not only did they have Korean games, but they had Japanese games. Something you might not know is that because of the many bans on Japanese, like, import products, not just games, but basically things coming from Japan because of, you know, all the ill will against Korea and Japan, they didn't really have the opportunity to play a lot of older gaming systems. And by the time I got there, the ban had been lifted. And lo and behold, there was an absolute paradise of retro gaming and import game collections in specifically where I shopped was this underground market in Yongsan. Like, that's literally underground, not figuratively, because it wasn't illegal or anything. It was just literally underground. It was like, I don't know, it felt like two miles, just a straight tunnel underneath the city where there was just games everywhere. And there were games from America, there were games from China, there were games from Japan, Korea, like all over the world, Thailand even. And just seeing all these inbox games, like, oh my goodness, I could have bought so many Super Famicom games there in the box. And I feel like a complete idiot for not doing it because they were there and they were so cheap. I remember holding a copy of Dragon Quest V in my hand in the box. And it was like nothing. It was basically nothing. I should have loaded up when I had the chance. And now I'm like really kicking myself because of it. So, but I did buy up as much as I could. And like I said, would have purchased more if I had known that I'd be coming back to the States sooner than I thought. I'd have loaded up duffel bags and just sending them on out, honestly. So that was, that's my like history with import gaming. And I want to talk a little bit about like the benefits and the drawbacks, maybe some downsides when it comes to import gaming that, you know, if, if you are interested in doing this yourself, just some things to keep in mind. Some, some of the benefits I think are that it really allows you to experience games from a different region or culture that you might not be familiar with. So, you know, Japan is obviously the common one because that's like where the gaming mecca is. And, but there's also European games that we don't necessarily get over here. Or there are games from Japan that make it to Europe, but we don't get necessarily in the States. Or China. Or even Korea. There were so many Korean language versions of games that I saw and I never really like gave them the time because I just figured, oh, I'm going to be here forever. I'm not going to back home anytime soon. Nope. That was a mistake. So just being able to experience something outside of your culture. For example, the Oendon games. Like that is, there's an entire like cheerleading subculture in Japan that you don't know about necessarily because we, we don't really think about like male cheerleaders in the same way. And you know, whether or not you, know, you agree with that sort of thing, whatever, they're really cool. <laughs> I, I'm just going to admit that like the male cheerleading aspect of those Oendon games is just really cool. Those guys are like super awesome and they got the whistles and everything and they're synchronized. And I think it's really awesome to me personally. And you, you can experience things about these cultures that you might not know about or might not even think about, or you might only see in passing in different media, but you can actually delve into and study it a little bit more. It also helps with language acquisition. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you ever try to learn a language from playing games, but you know, it, it helps you with some practice. Like for example, Pokemon games, going back to Pokemon, they're written in like simple, like katakana and hiragana, at least they were for many years. So that's more of a simpler phonetic Japanese alphabet that you can really go through and study pretty easily. It's not like the, the 2000 or so kanji that you have to memorize and such. No, it's actually played out like in a very simpler text format. So you can at least like understand what it's saying phonetically or at least read what it's saying phonetically. And, you know, the understanding can come later, but just kind of barreling through that. Like I, I learned so many like different, you know, Japanese terms for these different systems just through playing Pokemon. And it's really helped me, you know, every time I import a game, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this I know means this because of this. And that was really helpful. And it can also introduce you to a gaming series that 
you don't usually that don't usually have a chance to make it to the Western world. Specifically, I'm thinking about the Jump Superstars and the Jump Ultimate Stars games. These are games that were for the Nintendo DS, and the latter one, Jump Ultimate Stars, even had like an online fighting feature so that you could actually fight other people. These were basically Smash Brothers with Shonen Jump characters. You know, but this is way before like you know Jump Victory Stars or whatever those games are came to the the PS4 and the PS3 and everything. No, these were on the Nintendo DS with some of the most beautiful pixel art that you can ever see and. I'm just, I really wish this had come to the States, but it would have been a licensing nightmare trying to get all of these series under Shonen Jump, like, to be approved for that. So the fact that I got to, a chance to play that and even play against Japanese players, which, well, they totally destroyed me, like, every single match and, you know, just fooey on them because they always ganged up on me because I had the English name. So, you know, whatever, whatever. But those are games that basically lost a time now because, like, you can play them well, if you can import them, if you know about them. And I think people should, but obviously the, the online component's down a little bit. But anyway, some of the downsides, though, and there are downsides. I don't want to just picture this as, like, the coolest thing in the world and you have to do it. No, there are downsides to this as well. The language barrier. You know, it's good for language acquisition, especially if you're trying to read, but the, the barrier is pretty high for certain types of games. Case in point, like, don't even ask me how to play any RPG or strategic tactical games on it. Like, old school Fire Emblem on the Famicom? Forget about it. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Or any of those early Super Robot War games? Like, I'm looking at the grid and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Who am I? What's going on here? (laughs) That's, like, impossible to figure out. Uh, Some of the older systems, like, importing is fairly easy today. We don't usually have a lot of the region restrictions on our modern consoles anymore but in the old days oh my goodness older systems they require like specific types of workarounds just to get the games working i mean unless you got one of those clone consoles like the retron 5 or not it's really hard to play some of these import games like the super nintendo like if you have a super nintendo go look at the super nintendo right now look inside the cartridge slot and you'll see two tabs right there those two tabs are a physical hardware lockout basically for Famicom games because your Super Nintendo cartridges have the little slots that can accept those little pins that are right there. But Famicom games don't have those little slots on the cartridge itself. So if you try to jam it in there, it's not going to work. It only works for Super Nintendo games. And, you know, one of the earliest, like, physical mods that you can make is that you actually take some needle nose pliers and rip those little tabs out of your Super Nintendo cartridge slot, and then you can just plug in Famicom, Super Famicom games right into it. I, I kid you not, this is actually, like, a legitimate hardware lockout. Like, that's what this is. <laughs> so it only accepts cartridges from the from the United States and your Super Nintendo, unless you just rip those tabs out, which, you know, I'm never brave enough to do, so, uh, you know, but uh, funny story about that, though, my dad once actually found a box of Super Famicom games at a yard sale and somebody legitimately drilled the holes into the Super Famicom cartridge plastic so that they would fit in an American Super Nintendo, and I'm just like, this is really awesome that I get to play Super Batodin, but oh my goodness, this, like, this would absolutely frighten me, but anyway, that was a, that was a brief aside, so PlayStation 1 and 2 loaders, like, don't even try it. Like, the PlayStation 1 was, like, notoriously bad for not being able to accept any Japanese discs to the point where you either had, and the PlayStation 2, where you either had to, like, solder it, like, actually open up and solder some things together, or with, like, the, the PlayStation 1, like, you had to actually, like, leave the disc drive open and whatnot, and there was, like, this little contraption that you put on the disc, and you had to, like, swap between discs, and the GameCube had something similar. The Freeloader, I believe, is what it was called, which allowed you to, you know, read the region information off a U.S. disc, but actually open up the disc drive and put a a Japanese disc in. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's just so complex sometimes. Well, I mean, you can solve them pretty easily, but it's just like, why even bother sometimes? It just feels like it's it's more trouble than it's worth. Um, Another thing... I'm not going to lie here, especially with these recent, you know, 
price changes and people thinking they can sell things on eBay and make a million dollars and all that. It is prohibitively expensive for so many people to import not just new games, but old games. Like, retro games are really going up from Japan due to the fact that Americans have... I'm going to blame Americans and probably some Europeans as well. I'm not going to leave them, you know, scot-free from this. But they've been importing so many games from Japan that the stock in Japan has actually gone down. And they can't replenish the stock. And people are going over there and just buying the games and taking them out of the country. So, like, Japan has, like, not as many games as they used to have. And so, obviously, the prices are going to go up for retro games. Like, you're looking at, like... You know, Super Nintendo prices for some of these red from some of these import games, obviously, but then some of them just go prohibitively expensive. And new releases, oh my goodness, you are paying well over what you would normally pay in the states, around like seventy dollars to eighty dollars minimum for just basic standard editions, plus the cost of shipping. Oh my goodness, you know, retro games do ebb and flow in their prices, but they tend to stay pretty high, especially for rare items. So you better have some really deep pockets if you're thinking like import gaming's the thing for you. And then the rating systems, they can be very confusing because not every country in the world uses the ESRB, which makes sense. It's not established in any other country, so why would they bother using it? But understanding them can be confusing. So the Japanese scale, for example, is the CERO system, C-E-R-O, and it uses an A through D rating scale from what I can understand, with A being like for all ages, and then progressively like B being like, this is like the E, 10 and up, maybe bordering on the teen. C is like, you know, teen plus to mature, and then D is just like hard, this is for adults only, like don't touch this if you want to, you know, not see bad things or do bad things. And this is something that you need to be aware of if you are particularly sensitive to this type of stuff, because different cultures have different standards for their moral and ethical content in their games, and the cover may not be enough to tell you exactly like what kind of content is prevalent inside like there's some you know infographic stuff on the backs of some of these games and that's all well and good but you know you, you, you just got to be mindful of that so re- do your research before importing games don't just judge a book by its cover or a game by its cover so to speak because you're probably going to get burned once or twice and it, that's just not a this is not a great position to be in so research that before so kind of summing this all up while gaming is only a hobby of mine and i really don't want to over spiritualize any hobby per se i do often wonder just how amazing it is that we can connect to each other across the globe with this gaming technology we have and import gaming really serves a purpose in that regard i've come to appreciate it because it allows me to experience another culture in some small way and perhaps in a more authentic and genuine way than if I were to experience a localized version of the same game. Like, is it really the same game? Is it the same artist or authorial intent when a game is localized? You know, I think about the Phoenix Wright games in particular, and those games are very distinctly Japanese, even with the American localization, but there are a lot of things changed, really, for the puns. I have to admit, they're just for the puns and for the jokes and everything, to make it a little bit more understandable. But it's really, like, different games. Like, the original Phoenix Wright games, Gyakuten Saiben, I believe is what they're called, those are really distinctly Japanese. They have so much Japanese culture embedded in it. Like, even in the legal system, like, you can get a... I mean, it's obviously a fictional legal system, I you know. But it, it's kind of, like airing towards that <laughs> but then the american version is like you're talking about cheeseburgers and everything like this is like early pokemon english dub changes that you make with especially with all the puns and you know that's how it is so being able to like just really like experience those games in their original language and everything there's just something about that that speaks to me 
my, my major was in cross-cultural studies, so studying cultures, that's my thing. That's the thing I like to do, you know, even as a hobby, basically. So I, I have to think, and again, I'm, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I have to think about the Tower of Babel and how those people were given new languages. And I have to wonder how these languages, these language barriers, affect our interaction with other people groups. I know that I was able to make some connections, even small connections, with some of the native Koreans that I worked with when I lived there simply because I frequented the gaming sections or the, you know, anime and manga sections. I remember specifically being on a subway train and I see this guy in the back and he's reading One Piece. He's reading the news volume of One Piece. So I just kind of saunter over there and I'm like, ah, One Piece, huh? And he looks at me and he just gives me a big old smile. He looked totally like zoned in, maybe even a little sad before, but when he noticed that this foreigner guy, me, this big old foreigner guy, who's, you know, connecting with him about One Piece, it just seemed to brighten up his day, and he'll probably have a story to tell his family that night about this guy, who, this foreigner, who just wanted to talk about One Piece for a second there. And I know that when I was actually, like, frequenting the malls and everything, the Korean workers, the, the kiosk workers at the Final Fantasy thirteen three demo kiosk, which is that was just a really weird place. And, and then the Pokemon X and Y kiosk, they got a real kick of being able to show me all these demos for these upcoming games. Like, it, it's just something that was unique to them. And I was able to connect to them in that way and try to ask them the questions. You know, their English wasn't as, you know, fluent as it could have been, obviously. But, you know, we, we, we kind of bumbled our way through it. And we came out with a few laughs or two, mostly at my expense. And that's okay. That's fine with me. And in a way, these these cultural items these cultural relics, whatever you want to refer to them as, they really paved a way for me establishing a brief connection with these people. And how could these cultural tools really be used in similar ways to spread the gospel? I'm not thinking in terms of like, you know, using this as the evangelism, but making those connections with people, you know, making these connections with my students even, and just being able to show them, hey, I understand your world and I, and I, and I care about you because of this. And this shows the kids that they're actually like, oh, okay, somebody's willing to care and learn. So I can actually give them, you know, respect. I can give them the time time of day and just establishing these connections i think it's great i don't think i have an answer to the question at this time as to how to use these but i think it's important when keeping that in mind and ways that we're supposed to look out and connect to our neighbors so to speak so that's my spiel about import gaming maybe it's a little bit more high and lofty than you might expect it to be but let me know what you think you can you know, get a hold of me at Henshindad on Twitter, H-E-N-S-H-I-N-D-A-D on Twitter. You can listen to my podcast, the Henshindad Podcast, if you want to hear me more, talk more about, you know, Japanese culture or, you know, all these cool Power Ranger shows and comics and Japanese shows and all that, you know, all that fun stuff that I've come to be known for and maybe loved for. I'm not really sure. I'm not even sure who listens to my podcast. So if you haven't, go listen to it, you know, go download every episode and you can bump me up like another like 80 something views. That would be greatly appreciated. And, you know, until next time, henshin a go-go, my dudes. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.